0: Have you ever thought to yourself, man, I'd like to host my own podcast? Well, guess what? You can go to podbean.com voices and get everything you need to create, manage, and promote your podcast. I use Podbean every week for voices in my head. There's easy uploading and publishing tools, stunning templates, custom domains, social and promotional tools, an embeddable podcast player, monetization tools, and more. It is your all-in-one podcasting solution. With Podbean, you can create professional podcasts in minutes without any programming knowledge. Best of all, everything is mobile-ready right from the start. So go to podbean.com slash voices. And when you sign up, use the code voices and you'll get a sizable discount. Podbean for your home podcasting. Thank you for listening to Voices in My Head. Welcome to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of me, Rick Lee James. I'm a recording artist, a singer, songwriter, an author, a worship leader, and an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene. The Voices in My Head podcast is your source for discussions on music, literature, movies, pop culture, theology, and more. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the latest episode of the Voices in My Head podcast. And don't forget to let the voices in your head be heard by following me on Twitter at Rick Lee James and sharing your thoughts about today's show. Welcome back to- to voices in my head, as always, I'm your host Rick Lee James, and this is a really special episode to me because uh, I'm here with an old friend today, Randy Cox, and I'm sitting here in his song consultant office here, and uh, I'm I'm looking at, let me let me count them real quick, all of the the records on the wall. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, at least, unless I've missed a few that are around these gold and silver records around the room of people you've worked with i see Stephen curtis chapman i see scotty McCreery. i see point of grace uh i see i see wow we uh not wow worship but wow from the 90s and, and the different ones yeah and my wow. eyes are failing me sandy patty michael w smith so there's you know a couple couple names somebody might have heard of somewhere along the way yeah,
1: there's a lot of the a lot of these <laughs> that aren't there by the way because my a friend of mine who was, my bu- who was my business partner in the past, he and I split the records. Mm. So he's got the other half of these. Oh, okay. Plus the um, the ones that I, n- I never got. You know, yeah, there's a lot of times towards the 2000 period where you were lucky if you got a, a gold or platinum record. Yeah. And the Amy records that I've got up here are pretty much... You know, double, triple, quadruple platinum. Wow. So I've been on over eighty million records,
0: which just doesn't happen anymore, does it? No, it and doesn't. It'll never happen again. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just, just that period. Yeah, amazing. I, I was trying to think the other day because she started so young. I want to say like by the time she was what nineteen, didn't she already have like three albums out or something? It was like she had I might at least be misremembering. At least two. Yeah. Because uh, cause she was still pretty young when, you know, you Singing Your Praise to the Lord came out, right? Which is well, what you took yeah, to her. Yeah, that yeah. one right there.
1: And then before that uh, was My Father's Eyes. Yeah. That was her first big record. And yeah. I had signed Gary Chapman as a writer, and he wrote Father's Eyes. So mm-hmm. her first big song on her first big record when she was still in college
0: wow. was Father's Eyes. Yeah. That's, a, that's amazing. She's, she's had quite a career. Well, you know what? We should stop before we talk too much about other people. People who have listened to the podcast for a while, I'm sure know who you are. Matter of fact, about a year ago, we had a podcast because uh, you had released a book with Andrew Greer, and uh, it's, it's actually behind me on the shelf. I saw over there, winds of, winds of Heaven, Stuff of Earth, and it was on the anniversary of uh, the passing of Rich Mullen, 20, 20 years that the book was released, and so we were in Parnassus Bookstore, just not too far from here. Sure. And uh, for for whatever reason, there was an accident with paint outside that they were cleaning up outside the store. And every time the door opened up, listeners will remember this kind of noise in the back. <laughs> but we had a really good conversation. And uh, and I and since that time has gone by, we had you know we talked a lot about Rich Mullins that day. But since that time had gone by, I have recorded um, one of Rich's unpublished songs that you brought to me. Um, called Thunder, Thunder. and we're getting ready to release the album hopefully before, uh, maybe towards the end of summer. It's being mixed right now, and and so we'll hopefully have a a good mix to hear pretty soon. Congratulations. I'm anxious to hear the record. Well, thank you. I'm anxious to hear it too. (laughs) I guess (laughs) I'll have to buy one. (laughs) uh, I I know somebody that can get you one. Do you really? Uh, Uh, Yeah. (laughs) What a connection. That's right. Um, So anyway, we we did a lot of of Rich Mullins-centric stuff because listeners might remember that you were Rich's first publisher, and you uh, were a lot of the reason. And and Rich Mullins actually um, said in a room full of business executives that Randy Cox taught me how to write songs, and uh, so I'm... uh, I'm, I'm privileged to uh, get to sit here once again with you, Randy, and I want to talk to you mostly today about this really cool new song consultant uh, service that you are offering. And, and we can take the conversation anywhere we want to go today, but I think it's a really neat thing um, for any writer. I was going to say a young writer, but I think any writer can benefit uh, because all of us at some point or another um, can benefit from the help Uh, of another person who can kind of mentor us along through the process. So uh, tell us a little bit, and we're sitting here in the Psalm Consultant office right now, and it's a really cool setup. Tell us a little bit about how this came about and just... you know the 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 beginnings of it, and you you can tell as little or as much as you want has brought you here because you've got so many great stories. But you're doing some really cool things with artists right now, including retreats, and I just, I just love it. So t- tell us what you want us to know about it.
1: Well, um, my song consulting business side of me um, is an extension of my publishing side of me. Um, I'm still publishing, I'm still signing writers, I'm still getting songs out to the church and, uh, and all, but, but I realized that for the most part people don't have anyone in the business, especially these days in the business, mm-hmm. to be able to bounce their songs off of them and tell them whether it's a good song, whether it's a not so good song, whether it needs rewriting, um, or it needs to be put in the drawer for future reference. Right. And so I, I, I took the premise that, I, that I've used um, for f- the last 40 years, and that's um, working with songwriters on a one-on-one basis, um, helping them understand, first of all, what are the weak, the weak elements in the song, and what are the strengths of the song. And then working on the weak elements to, uh, in the rewriting process to make them... Uh, I get to the point where I call them finished. That's finished. Or, yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, over the last... Uh, especially the last year, uh, but probably goes back two years, I've been working with individuals. I've also consulted... Um, I was a consultant for Lifeways Music Publishing for five years. Uh, I was a consultant for Gateway last year, uh, but in addition to that, I have about seven individual clients that I work with and they hire me on a monthly basis and they send me their songs they send a demo worked just a, a work tape, simple demo, mm-hmm. and a lyric and I go through that though that song those songs and basically work with them as I would if I were a publisher Mm -hmm. and tell them in no uncertain terms we've got to work on this element this is not right let's rewrite it and I'll help you understand where you need to go in the rewriting process and I think that's the most important element Mm -hmm. it's one thing to tell somebody uh, your song is not quite finished Mm -hmm. as another thing to tell them why it's not finished and then thirdly and most importantly is the fact that you want to tell them where they should go with the rewriting process. Mm-hmm. And those are elements that I bring to the song consulting side of me.
0: Yeah, and, and that's a great thing. I've, I've benefited from that myself, just uh, writing songs you know, with you. And by the way, everybody, um, you'll have to hear on my new album... Not just because it's me, but there's a song that that Randy and I worked on together. Most of the lyrics are his, and I just kind of put some music to it and changed a few phrases around. Um, but it's called "Be My All," and uh, it's one of my it's one of my favorite Randy Cox songs. You know, <laughs> it's so but, funny. Uh,
1: it it's funny because it, it because for me, I don't write a lot of songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, most everything that I write is either a lyric or. The music for a choral piece. Yeah, that's that's been my focus all my whole life. But I only started writing about ten years ago, mm. and of course that came that came as a result of my experience at the Abbey of Gethsemane, and has affected my entire life. But it also gave me a voice to to be able to to speak some things into uh, to church yeah. that other people aren't saying, and I found a little niche. me yeah Yeah.
0: well I tell you what I love about not only you but your song consultant service Um, and when you talk about something that can serve the church I feel like in the church we're best when we do things together you know and so often um, if we're not careful uh, people like me who are artists we can slip into a I'm gonna do this whole thing by myself and then I'll reveal it to the world and then they're just gonna love it (laughs) <laughs> when in actuality, I think the way we benefit is actually when we can um, when we can write together and we can share together and we can um, even wrestle over it a little bit together and just you know be- because there's some there's some good things that happen in that struggle and mm-hmm. that time together and um, and one of the most beneficial things for me over the years has been um what I would almost call spiritual direction in songwriting. Right. From people like you, from people like Paul Balash, from people that have been very kind to me over the years to kinda of say, This is what I think this needs or this isn't ready yet mm-hmm. or and things that you were talking about that you do with that. And the reason I call it like spiritual direction is because I feel like that's what the Holy Spirit is doing constantly in our lives. Coming to us and saying, It's not done yet and there's these places that need to to be worked on and polished. And that's why we need the church and the Holy Spirit working through the church because together we're, we're on this journey of as Paul says, working out our salvation, you know, together. It's so true. And I feel like the song is a good metaphor for that whole journey, you know, that we take together and struggle through. Um, So so you've got a way now for people to actually, like, get in touch with you. I tell people about you a lot. And even last night, I'm at the National Worship Leader Conference this week. And I'm... um, and once again I run across somebody that's just a huge fan of Rich Mullins, you know. <laughs> and I say yeah, I say, Well, down. you you've gotta you've gotta talk to Randy sometime, you know, because he's he's knew Rich and and uh, did a lot with him and um anyway, what I just think what you're offering is a good service, not just for the individual writer, but hopefully we're doing something for the kingdom of God too. It's yeah. the
1: only purpose that really counts. Yeah, for sure. The rest is just it's just uh yeah. having some fun with with songs it, but right. but it has to have the depth that the spirit speaks into it, yeah, and I take that responsibility very seriously, mm-hmm. so that you know praying over songs and and un- try to understand where the song should go, whether the concept is being fulfilled yeah. if someone starts off a a a song um, I just wrote a lyric called "Those who know Your lo, know those that love His name." Mm. And <coughs> in doing that, I had to really believe that the Spirit would lead me in saying, Those of us who love your name mm. um, are these people, yeah. and speaking for the people of, of Christ and people in the church. Um, it's, it's my ministry has always been for the church. Yeah. Uh, I've just been fortunate enough along the way to have songs on records, but those songs usually ended up being used in the church or in yeah. hymnals or you know choral arrangements or youth musicals or kids projects or sure. whatever else that, that might have happened. And yeah. uh, but it was all based for the church. Yeah.
0: Well tell me a little bit about and and by the way I'm gonna have you think about something to answer later okay but i'll I I'll, I'll just just think about it while I'm asking you the next question okay um, I want you to think of maybe one song that you feel like you've been blessed to work on that you feel like really did have a sweeping impact over the church over the years that God just used, and because I do feel like there's some songs that God just has His hand on. I'll give you an example that I always think of: a song like "Can't It Be." Mm-hmm. There's there are good songs, and then there are songs that for some reason it just seems like God's spirit is just upon those songs, you know, and something has resonated throughout the whole church, True. you know, in True. that way. So I don't you just think about that for a minute when I when I ask you the next question? Um, but while we're talking about this collaborative effort of working for the church, I'm really intrigued about the writers retreats that you've started mm. leading. And I know that the Abbey of Gethsemane, which if our listeners don't know, the Abbey of Gethsemane uh, was where Thomas Merton did um, did most of his um, time as as a monk in Kentucky. You know, not not too far from here, just a couple hours. You know, mm-hmm. two or three hours. And I know you make regular trips there. And I know that's has to be a part of the motivation for getting songwriters into a retreat mode right. you know for doing that, so tell us a little bit about um, kind of where what what that's been like you know starting these retreats and kind of just I'd love to hear about
1: them well i have I really felt in my spirit that I needed to go away with a small number of writers, mm-hmm. not a cast of thousands sure um, there are a lot of people that do retreats and they'll have, you know, 30, 40, whatever. I don't know how many, but a good number. And and that's fine for them because obviously you can make more money and you can also talk to more people in those settings. Yeah. However, my concept was I'm going to take 10 songwriters and we're going to go on a retreat and we're going to stay in this farmhouse that, that's been converted into a... Uh, Retreat center, Mm -hmm. and it just happens that, (laughs) not really, just (laughs) happens, but it was down the road about a mile from the Abbey of Gethsemane. (laughs) That's true. So, um, in Kentucky. And what I really wanted to do was to get to know these 10 songwriters who came from Arizona, Texas, Virginia, Ohio, Oklahoma, Nebraska, and Nashville. Uh, (coughs) And Oh, excuse me. Um, bless you. And um bring them together, some of whom I didn't know. Mm-hmm. But through some promotion that I had done, I narrowed it down to ten people that mm-hmm. I felt like these ten people are a, an eclectic group of writers. Mm-hmm. One was a church pastor, um, another was a hymn writer who is an amazing hymn hymn lyricist. Yeah. Um I had one that was 17, and I had another that was 74. Wow! <laughs> so we um, we pulled in all this eclectic mix, and then everybody shared songs among themselves. You know, all of us were able to share together, and then we would I would break those songs down, and everybody had a lyric sheet, mm-hmm. so that everybody could say you know, I see something here, that's exactly what I wanted, because I want writers to understand that they can edit themselves if they learn how. Then they learn how to rewrite, and then before they get to me, for example, they've already caught most of the errors in their ways, so to speak. (laughs) Uh, So that's exactly what we did, and then I broke them up into uh, twos and threes, and we did uh, co-writing sessions. So we ended up with with two or three really good songs that came out of it. Wow. But since then, um several of them had had become my clients mm-hmm. because they wanted a continuation of what we experienced at the at the retreat. Yeah. And then I, this last weekend, or I'm sorry, the weekend before last, I was in Columbus, Ohio.
0: Just down the road from me. Down the I road. was on the other side of the state, so yeah, I can see. <laughs> and so I did a,
1: I did a, a songwriter's retreat workshop um, at Covenant Presbyterian in Columbus. Mm-hmm. And the pastor, I cannot thank enough, mm-hmm. Pastor Tracy Keenan, is one of the most wonderful people I've ever met, first of all. And secondly, she promoted it and got people engaged, and we had a wonderful time together over the weekend and then, of course, I stayed over for Sunday and uh, got to experience their 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 service, yeah. which was a lovely experience. That's great. And um, I had seven people show up, and that's exactly the kind of numbers that I enjoy most. Yeah. I've spoken in front of 400 songwriters, and so you get about 10 people that you can actually listen to yeah. in a session. <laughs> but in this case, we listen to everybody's songs. And then another thing was we, we did on the last afternoon, we did a co-write. We, we split them up in, in three groups mm-hmm. and came up with literally, probably the best co-writing things at a workshop that I've heard. Wow. They came together musically and lyrically and theologically and melodically and everything else with really good thought-through songs based on a, a psalm text that I gave them. Um, so that's what I'm, I'm going to expand. Mm-hmm. My, workshop, my workshops are an extension of my song consulting. Uh, it's basically taking it out to various cities and other places uh, whether it be colleges universities or or, or uh, churches, and speak to the people who don 't have access to a publisher or someone who can actually tell them what 's right and what 's not right with their songs yeah so it 's a it 's a huge honor for me to be able to do that
0: yeah, well, that sounds so cool and i was I was looking at a few of the pictures you were posting you know it looked like you had a really beautiful um, the church, I mean, just the sanctuary looked amazing to oh. be a part of. I love it when churches look like churches. You yeah, know? <laughs> this is this was a real church when, when they're built to be for worship. Yeah, you know? and
1: and you just feel you feel the presence yeah. in in that room and. Um, yeah.
0: We could we could do a whole other podcast on the, the sacredness of architecture that's oh. made for holy spaces Oh, but my yeah. Goodness. yeah, let's we could go back to about
1: the year one thousand and uh, trace the history of sacred architecture and and but don't get me started. That's right. I'll, and, okay, uh, I'll try not to <laughs> That's a, that is another time, I'm yeah, sure. That's right. I'm
0: sure but Well, that sounds like such a cool thing, and I I know that I have benefited more from those smaller group settings, and and I'm not a really, you know, that's not to say that conferences like this one this week aren't beneficial, because I'm, you know, Worship Leader Magazine does a great job, and I'm privileged to be a part of their conference this week, Um, but there is something about when you can kind of get away and and be in manageable numbers, and just when there's too many, like you said, you just don't get to hear everybody and not everybody gets to be heard and, no. and it makes it very difficult. So, it, um, it,
1: To me, it would if I were going to one, let's just say there's 30 people yeah. and I went to one and I was a writer and I wanted to uh, co-write and I wanted to meet some people, whatever. Uh, that's wonderful. I think you meet some people, but yeah. by the same token, if you've got 30 people co-writing, how many people get to share their songs yeah. and actually get a critique? Yeah. That's a lot. It's, a, it's, it's too big for me.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's again, that's like um, when I was talking to you about the Spar- my Sparrow days yeah. as Vice President of Publishing for Sparrow. Um, that was a period of time when I lost that one-on-one, I was mm-hmm. more an administrative position which was not me. Mm-hmm. Mine is more of a one on one relationship with songwriters because it's important. Yeah, um, I don't sign a songwriter and then just say, bring me songs when you can, yeah. <laughs> when you get inspired or whatever else. I have to pour myself into them as well because it's a commitment. Yeah. And with my song consulting, I I take the same responsibility with those people who are paying me to tell them what's right and what's wrong with their songs. Mm-hmm. It's a major responsibility for me and, and I don't take everybody that I talk to. I'm not right for everybody that I talk to. They may have a uh, an agenda that is maybe they want me to help them get songs cut. Yeah. Well I don't do that. I help them get to the place where the songs could be cut Right. and uh, that's that's my role.
0: Yeah. And that, and who knows if a song ever gets cut? <laughs> it's it's a hard process to. Uh, it's
1: even uh, more difficult today than, yeah. than it's ever been in, in my forty years. I've never seen it more difficult. But there are, as as the publisher, side of me, takes publishing very seriously too. Mm-hmm. I look outside of the normal channels and say, okay, I don't have a number one record on CCM radio but tomorrow i'm going to be meeting with the united methodist publishing people mm-hmm. to help the united methodist see where their church musically would like to go in the next in the next 10 years yeah that to me is more important uh, than many other things that yeah. I could do, and and it's not a CCM hit song. That's right. It's it's hands on with a church denomination.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and I value that. It's I, an honor. I'm excited about you working with the United Methodist Church, and we, we could use your help in the Nazarene Church too. So I'm uh, wide open to the Nazarenes
1: <laughs> and the Baptists and the Presbyterians yeah. and the rest.
0: <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, the question I asked you a few minutes ago, because I know you've had. Um, You've had some real honors of working with a lot of songs and a lot of artists and writers that I think their songs have really made an impact on the church for for the better. And and when I say that, I don't mean it because this song went to number one or made a gold record, but as I said before, I just feel like there are some songs that resonate with our heart. And I'll I'll give you an example of one that's doing that right now in my church, because I just heard it last night from the artist himself. Um, David Crowder has a song called Come As You Are mm-hmm. and it's it's just a uh, I mean it's really a call to to just come to the Lord wherever you're from you know and he sang it last night and I saw the reaction of the crowd oh, last man. night I've been leading it at my church for a couple years now and every time we sing it it just seems like the people's hearts just get into that song and they just really sing it um, yeah. for the last couple weeks I've been on the road doing revivals, been singing that song. With no prompting for me, people just get up and start coming to the alders. You know, it's just one of those, like, I just feel like it's one of those songs that God just has his hand on and oh, is God. using. So all that being said, it's not about whether it's a hit or not. I wonder if there's a song that you can think of that you have felt that way about, that God has just used it in, in a way like that.
1: It's, it's really hard to take 40 years and condense it down and say, okay. you know, what. But I will say that the song Holy Ground mm. is probably the most interesting and probably the broadest based song for the church mm. that I've ever published. And it's been 30
0: years ago, but it's still sung. And that's the We Are Standing yeah. On Holy ground. Yeah. yeah. Jaron Davis. Every, everybody knows it. Yeah. And
1: <laughs> the thing I love about it is that when, when I signed Jaron Davis back back in the time and it was based largely around that song and some other songs that he had written that had not been out there as a as a song on a record. Uh, I had Sandy Patty turn it down. Hmm. Um, because she had done "How Majestic Is Your Name" the year before, and felt like it was, it, and this is—you got to remember, this is early on in Chinese <coughs> career, yeah. and and she's not real smart at that point, so she couldn't <laughs> see the continuity of how how majestic is your name and a holy ground, you know, being two early worship songs right. could have a place on another record. Right. So anyway. Um, I, I
0: people call, weren't necessarily thinking congregational worship no. back then. Yeah. No,
1: it's true, and 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 actually, with with songs like uh, "How Majestic and Great Is the Lord" and "Thy Word" and some of those, they're piano-driven songs. They're not guitar-driven songs. Mm-hmm. So I look at it as uh, in in periods as the West Coast thing happened in the '60s and '70s, and they were guitar songs. Mm-hmm. In the early '80s, Michael W. and other other writers which I won't even try to get into but they started writing piano songs huh. so the piano was the driving was the driving force in the writing and I think it it made them more interesting mm-hmm. but a song like holy ground was so simple and elegant and it it reached the heart it went yeah. straight to the heart and it nobody would record it in the beginning and so I called a friend of mine who has recently recently passed away, uh, Paul Farron, Hmm. and Paul at the the time was one of the top arrangers in church music, and he was my first mentor. So I called Paul and I said, Paul, I've got this song called Holy Ground. I need a choral arrangement of it because I I can't get anybody to record it yet, but I feel like to get a choral arrangement of it will take it into the church in all denominations and that's exactly what happened. It started out as a choral piece, the denominations just all accepted it, everybody loved it, it started going in hymnals, it started going around, then people started recording it. Wow! And so it worked the opposite way that most songs got their exposure. Hmm.
0: Isn't that interesting?
1: It was fascinating. And then, of course, uh, Barbara Streisand did it on a record that sold six million records. Wow. So you have to say, so that's a major song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, that's interesting to me cuz was was it that's of all people I wouldn't think Barbara Streisand would be one that would record Holy Ground. What was cuz was she doing like a gospel album? She did an time? inspirational record.
1: Huh. Uh, and I guess it's been I don't know maybe 15 years now. Wow. But it's when I Jaren and I got together not, not too long ago and he said uh, it's it's already sold six million records. Wow! And it's amazing for her to to find it in the first place.
0: Yeah. Um, and the, and I think that's what I mean when I when I say that it seems like there's some songs that God just has His hand on. And,
1: you can't stop them. Yeah. If you tried to stop them, you would be, you know, yeah. you'd be messing with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Because that song, in all its simplicity, you could sing it around a campfire. You can sing it as a big choral arrangement. You can sing it as an invitation moment. Yeah. You can just sing it during the offering, and people give more. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it, it just it
0: just works in in every context. Yeah, and it's just such a great announcement. And you know, w- w- when we come together to worship, we do need to remind ourselves of what we're where we're at, and where we what are, we're doing. And it just does it does that perfectly. Just reminds you, you know. And I. Um, and as I think about it like who who doesn't know that song like it just it's just taken off and and I think that's an interesting thing too to think about because so many of like the really powerful hymns that we have were maybe not known in their time you know very much and or, or didn't even have um, you know in the case of like Wesley didn't even have music to him to start right. with you know they were just poetry that was you know in a certain meter and lots of tunes worked with them you know yeah. Um, so it's fascinating to me to, to see um, over time um, which songs are going to stay with us and which songs especially in a climate of where I was telling somebody the other day I said you know this I can't remember even what song we were talking about I said but that song is only 10 years old but most congregations would go oh I don't want to sing that it's an old song yeah. you know <laughs> at this point and and when it came out it was the biggest thing like ever, because, you know, it was on K-Love or whatever, and everybody was singing it. Right. Um, but that does not necessarily mean that that is something that is timeless and lasting, and, I mm-hmm. mean, it has its place. And, um, and and I even saw, you know, very recently at an event where somebody who came in um, had a, a number one hit on the radio and, and followed a group that was just singing being very generous with their time you know not even singing their own songs half the time they were just singing trying to bring the congregation in and engage and when they finished singing the congregation was just like ready to worship and then the person with the number one song came out and it was just kind of all about a performance and just flopped i mean just just kind of the room just went you know and it wasn't even bad what they did it just wasn't what the other thing was it wasn't the same uh, focus and so it, it's it's powerful to me when I think about songwriting um, and I think I've I've told you this before when when we were writing be my all and my grandma was passing away and I got to sing it for her in the hospital and sang it at her funeral um, sorry I get emotional but my new focus in writing songs became, because we sang so much around her bedside. Oh. And we sang so many hymns that she knew, you know. And and we got Grandma back in, in her right mind for a few days in the hospital, you know. Yeah. Um, my new philosophy of songwriting for the church became, we need to write songs that are worthy of being sung while our people are dying, you wow. know. Wow. And that's important and holy ground is one of those you know again we talked about all the context holy ground could very much be sung as a person is being ushered into the next kingdom you know whatever that means of, of in the kingdom of god it's true and um so so bless the lord for all these good gifts that he gives us with music and helps us in those moments and um yeah yeah i keep thinking in fact uh
1: at, at my funeral, uh, whenever that might be. What songs would I choose yeah. or would I ask to have sung at my f- funeral? Yeah. And I don't know.
0: Yeah.
1: I've been involved in so many songs and I know so many other songs and then the hymns and everything else. I don't know that I even want any music at my funeral. I mean, I really don't, because I'm not going to, you know, of course, I'm not going to worry about it at all. Um, But um, looking down from heaven, I might say, gosh, I wish you'd change keys right there. Uh, Give me a break.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Well, you know what? I'm going to have to go in a few minutes because I do have to get back to the conference I'm a part of this week. But... um, please tell everyone um, how they can find you if they're interested in the service that you're offering. I I think it's songconsultant.com, but I might have that wrong, uh, top of my head.
1: Actually, the easiest way to get me is my regular email, which is rcox615 at yahoo.com. Okay. rcox615 at yahoo.com.
0: Okay, great.
1: And then my website is randycoxmusic.com.
0: Randycoxmusic.com. Okay. okay, so I was totally far off. <laughs> I do have
1: I do have a song consultant um, email address, but it's so long I'd rather give them the R Cox six one five is my area code and Yahoo.com. All right. Um, but then uh, my my website is uh, we've been updating it and putting some um, photos from recent uh, conferences and workshops. And history and some photographs of, you know, Rich and I and Amy and I and yeah.
0: just different people that um, that I appreciate so much. Sure. So. Um, well, that's great. Well, and I, and I can tell all the listeners, um, Randy Cox is is the real deal, and and he is someone that can benefit your writing. He's benefited mine, um, but more than that, I think. He's just uh he's a companion on the journey. you are a companion on the journey and I've, I've benefited from um, just being your friend and um, it's my pleasure there there are times that um, you know there's times that just i feel like in our conversation i, I almost always feel like the Holy Spirit just comes in and, in the midst of what we're talking about and uh, that's a special thing that doesn't always happen in in, in a way so and I appreciate it too I value that yeah. Right well everybody please uh if you're interested in in taking your songs to another level, and especially if you want to use your songs um, for for the church um, you want to talk to Randy, but I should also say it doesn't have to just be uh only Christian music because you i mean you've worked with Scotty McCreary and people like that and and uh and I think you can benefit anybody even. Um, a lot of believers don't write specifically just you know true. songs for the church in in the way that, that we often I do. I enjoy
1: so. country songs, uh, yeah. especially because they're they're clever. They're either clever or they're incredibly serious. Uh, they're fun mm-hmm. or they're they bring tears to your eyes. Yeah, but they tell great
0: stories. Yeah, and I, that's why I I enjoy the country country songs as well. Yeah. So get in touch with Randy, and you won't be sorry. So thank you for listening to Voices in My Head. And Randy Cox, thank you for being one of the Voices in My Head this week. And thank you, Rick. Thank you for joining me here this week on the Voices in My Head podcast. I hope you'll visit me on my website at rickleyjames.com. Follow me on Twitter at RickleyJames, Like my artist page on Facebook at facebook.com slash And keep up to date on what I'm writing at my author page on Amazon.com. Make sure to follow my calendar on the website, and if you would like to have me come to your town to do a concert, a speaking engagement, or a book event, you can book me through my website by clicking on the link for P.A.R.E. Booking Agency. That's P.A.R.E. Booking. And finally, it would mean the world to me if you were to leave me a review of this podcast on iTunes. The more positive reviews that we receive, the more visible this podcast is on the internet.